as Paul said, I spoke last week um, on the path to personal victory. And I would encourage you to listen to it because you're listening to this, because this is a follow-on message from last week. So, but I think it's okay if you listen to them backwards too. And I focused on the scripture from Romans, which talks about being joyful in hope, being patient in affliction, and being faithful in prayer. And this week, I just want to expand your mind a little bit from what we talked about last week. And I don't know about you, but I love looking um, online at life hacks. Anyone got any good life hacks? And, you know, you go online and you're like, as if that is what that thing is for. I think my favorite one that I've seen is using a key that is round at the end and you can put that in your trolley instead of a pound. So if you've ever not got a pound, because let's be honest, who has ever got a pound when they need one? You take your key off your key ring and as long as it's round at the end, it will fit in and get you a trolley. Hmm? Are you impressed with that? Bananas, another one? I always thought you ate them this way. If you eat the thing this way, and pe- I can't do it because I've only got one hand, and peel it from this side, you've actually got something to hold on to so you can get to the end of your banana. That is a great life hack. One of our staff members does that. Does anyone want a banana? No? Yes? Come on then. And I don't throw it. it it's not going to end well for anybody. I think my favourite is this one as well. Use a can. And this thing, what is this for? It's for holding your straw. Who knew? And you turn it around and you put your straw in and it keeps it straight. Who wants a can of Fanta? Come and get it. I'm not going to throw the can of Fanta. But I love life hacks. And it's just like, as if, oh, my life will never, ever be the same again because I know this thing. And I want to take you on a bit of a journey like that this morning. Last week, we talked about personal victory. This morning, I want to give you one of the greatest life hacks to prayer that some of you may know. And if you do, wow. That is amazing that you're already doing it. But if you don't, I hope this will transform and change your life completely and how you pray. And I've entitled this morning's message, The Path to Our Victory. You know, God and prayer changes us personally. We talked about it last week. God does something in our lives on a personal level. That's a person. And and it has ripples and repercussions. We believe and we see miracles. And the effect is, the ripples work out from us and begin to affect us. They begin to affect those around us. And you know, we can base our whole faith on praying personal prayers for us, for our family, for our friends, for our circumstances. And the prayers will ripple and affect us and maybe touch those around us. And that is an amazing thing. Keep doing it. Keep praying. Keep believing for that personal victory. But I want to take you up to another level this morning in your prayer. 
And Becky did an amazing message, and I want to encourage you to listen to that as well, on the Lord's Prayer on the first Sunday of September, and talked about how you can use the Lord's Prayer to help you to pray. And it was a great message. If you're sitting there this morning thinking, you're going to give me something great, I just don't even really pray. You want to listen to that message because it is brilliant, and it will help you to put some practical tools in place to pray. But I noticed something in the Lord's Prayer that can just transform how we see it. That can take us to another level of how we pray. The Lord's Prayer is plural. You ever noticed? Our Father. It's plural. It's about our victory. It's about our prayer. It's about the strength that comes when there's more than one. When we stand together and pray for our victory, when we stand and believe for more than just what one of us are believing for. And when that happens, what happens to the ripples? They get bigger, they go wider, they have deeper and more lasting impact. Because there's something that happens when there's an hour rather than when there's a me or my. And God is in that. And he says in his word, where two or three are gathered together, I am there in the midst of it. There's something significant about the hour when we're believing and praying for victory. There's so much more than personal prayer. And prayer brings the miraculous. Prayer wants to break into communities. Prayer wants to change nations. Prayer wants to insert, inspect, and insist on miracles in every level of your existence in life. And not just yours, but ours. Prayer wants to insert, inspect, and insist on a miracle. I'm going to say it again. Prayer inserts, inspects, and insists on the miraculous. Not just for us individually, but on a bigger and on a wider scale. And I believe that as we pray together and believe on a bigger and a wider scale, because we encourage one another and we champion one another, then God brings something bigger out of what we pray. I want to raise your faith this morning. I've got a couple of stories for you. 1989, Germany. The Berlin Wall stood strong. And groups of 10 to 12 assembled in homes on a Monday night to pray for peace. Who knew? I didn't. By October of that year, 50,000 people had moved into churches and were on the streets praying for peace in Germany. Who knew? I didn't. News reporters said that their numbers enlarged up to 300,000. By the 9th of November, the Berlin Wall fell. And one of the leaders of the Communist Party in East Germany said this. We had planned for everything. We were prepared for everything. But not for the candles and the prayers. Look what happens when we stand together 
and we pray. Look at the breakthrough that occurs when we stand together and we pray that suddenly no longer just affects us as individuals, but suddenly impacts communities and impacts nations and brings breakthrough and change that we could never possibly believe for when we gather together and pray for our victory. Do you want another one? The Battle of the Bulge. What is that about? The Battle of the Bulge. World War II. 1,200,000 Americans were besieged in a city in Belgium. And Patton, who was some army person, he was delayed to get to them and help them. Someone's going to come and correct me with my history after him. Just, 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 it's okay. Just leave me be. It sounds good. Patton was delayed with his army to get to these Americans who were stuck by the Germans in this Belgian city and he couldn't get there because the weather was so bad. So Patton said to his chaplain, O'Neill, draft a prayer, as you do, in good World War II fashion. You can imagine him, can't you, with his little moustache, I don't know whether he had one, but he should have done, and saying to his chaplain, draft a prayer, man. (laughs) Then they printed this prayer this is unbelievable, on hundreds of thousands of wallet-sized cards and the third army, which I presume is Patton's army, used this prayer. This is what the prayer said. For some reason he wrote it in King James Version. It says, Almighty and most merciful Father, we humbly beseech thee of thy great goodness to restrain these immoderate rains with which we have had to contend. Grant us fair weather for battle. Graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee that armed with thy power we may advance from victory to victory and crush the oppression and wickedness of our enemies and establish thy justice among men and nations. This prayer was given out on cards and the whole of the third army had it in their pockets and were praying this prayer. The weather miraculously changed. And Patton was able to go and reinforce the Belgian city where the Americans were stuck. And O'Neill, only in the UK, was awarded the Bronze Star for writing a prayer. God wants to raise your faith. God wants to cause you to believe that your prayers don't have to stop here, but they can have bigger and wider impact that changes not only your life, not only your family, not only your community, but transforms the nations, that changes and brings breakthrough where there is war, that transforms where things are stopped and blocked. Prayer can do that. If we believe and if we stand together, the path to our victory. So I want to take you on a little bit of a journey this morning. And I want to take you on a journey with a guy called Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And you find accounts of him in the books of Kings. And basically what he did was he would go up to people and say, God says this, or God is going to do this. And that was his job as a prophet. And so we're going to join him in 1 Kings 18 verse 1. 
And just before this, he'd gone to the king at the time, who was called Ahab, and he'd said to him, just because of all the evil that you're doing as a king, and that you're not following God, God is going to stop the rains, and there will be no rain, there will be no more rain until you see me again. And God had then taken Elijah, and he'd hidden him from Ahab. He'd hidden him in a ravine. And ravens had come and fed him. And then when there was no more water in the brook of the ravine, God had taken him to a widow who was making her last meal and thinking, me and my son are going to die. And God had sent Elijah to her and Elijah had said, make me a cake first. And if you do, God will never stop the oil flowing and the flour coming until the whole time, until this drought ends. Which was all going well until the widow's son died. And she wasn't particularly happy with the man of God and said to Elijah, what is all this about? You've come here, I've fed you, I've looked after you and now my son's dead. So Elijah had scooped him up and prayed over him and he'd been miraculously revived and he handed back the widow's son alive. And then this happens. 1 Kings 18 verse 1. After some time... In the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab and I will send rain. And so Elijah just does does just that. He goes and presents himself to Ahab the king. And while he's at it, he says to Ahab, well, actually, let's see who is God. Is the Lord our God God? Or are the gods that you worship and serve, are they God? And so they have this bit of a competition where Elijah says, look, this is what we'll do. I'll get a sacrifice and the the Baal prophets can get a sacrifice and we'll call on our gods and whichever God is real will send fire down from heaven and consume whatever we put on the offering. So this is what they do. And so, very kindly, he lets the Baal prophets go first. And they can get no fire down from their gods, surprisingly enough. And then it's Elijah's go. So, just because he can, he says, let's cover my altar with water. Three times, let's fill it. And then he stands and he prays to God and God sends fire from heaven and it consumes the sacrifice. And then this happens. We go to verse 41 to 46. It says, Then Elijah said to King Ahab, Now go and eat. I hear the roar of rain approaching. While Ahab went to eat, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, where he bowed down to the ground with his head between his knees. He said to his servants, Go and look towards the sea. The servant went and returned, saying, I don't see a thing. Seven times in all, Elijah told him to go and look. The seventh time, he returned and said, I saw a little cloud, no bigger than a man's hand, coming up from the sea. Elijah ordered his servants, go to King Ahab and tell him to get in his chariot and go back home before the rain stops him. In a little while, the sky was covered with dark clouds and the wind began to blow and a heavy rain began to fall. Ahab got into his chariot and started back to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah. He fastened his clothes tight around his waist and ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. (laughs) What's that about? (laughs) What an amazing... 
saying, you read these things in the Bible sometimes, you just keep going. But when you actually stop and think about it, sometimes when it's about to rain, I wish I could fasten my belt tighter, top my skirts up and run really quickly. It would be really helpful. But what I want to use this for is because I believe that Elijah knew some things. Elijah knew some things that knew how to bring about reformation and change in a nation. Elijah knew some things, what it was to pray and believe for transformation to happen. And I believe that we can, we can tap into these things if we look at the story of Elijah. The first thing I think that we can learn from him is this. Authority. Authority can often have negative connotations, can't it? Let's be honest. Very often we look at it and we just want to rebel against authority. We want to find, we've got our own mind. I don't want someone to tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what I should do. We want our freedom. We want to do things how we want to do them. And authority so often, when we read about it in the Bible, we don't really listen to what the Bible's saying because we just look at it as actually, it's not a word that I really like. It's not something that I want to submit under. Put your hand up if you're a younger sibling. Yeah, you've all got it then. Younger sibling syndrome. No one will tell me what to do. I will not do as my sister says. I have an older sister. I I don't have issues. I have to be really careful with my girls because it would be so easy to take Olivia's side because I know how it feels. And I have to think, no, no, you are a grown-up, Sarah. Don't do it. Think about your older child. Who owns a dog? Who owns a naughty dog? For those of you who don't, please don't come and give me tips after. It's just, it's gone beyond it. So you people have got naughty dog owner syndrome where you try and exert your authority and no matter what you do and how loud you shout, that dog just does whatever it wants, whenever it wants, and it will obey when it works for that dog. Children can be the same, I find. Maybe for those of you who are teachers and you have a difficult class, And they just do whatever they want. And you can talk to them as much as you want, but they're still going to draw on the wall when they want to draw on the wall, and they're still going to talk to each other when they want to do with that. And authority can come across in such a bad way to us at times. And yet God wants to teach us something magnificent about authority. That leadership is servant leadership. And authority lies with God alone. And that's where so often we get it wrong. Let's read Matthew 20, 25 to 26. It says this. Jesus called them together, that is his disciples. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. You may feel like that. You may feel like it's been lorded over you. In your home, in your workplace, maybe in a church that you've attended. It says, and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you 
must be your servant. And when we grasp this, and when we understand this, and when we see the servant leadership that Jesus modelled, and when we try our best, because none of us are perfect, when we try our best to do the same, then we suddenly realise that authority isn't a dirty word anymore. But authority is the key to our victory. Authority is the thing that makes us see who God really is and that he is bigger and that he is higher and that he is more powerful and able to move on our behalf because he has authority, because he is the yes and the amen, because he is the beginning and the end, because he is the author and the creator, so at his word it is so. And suddenly authority takes on a whole new meaning. When we know who God is, we therefore know who we are. Because we are his. And if he is the ultimate authority, then we live within the benefits of that. When we hold God higher, then we suddenly become empowered and equipped to pray and believe and see victory and breakthrough in our lives. Having God's word empowers us because we know the authority which it holds that we can use it as a double-edged sword to see lives transformed, to see communities changed and to see things turned around in a way that we would never possibly imagine could happen under our own ability. Let's look at Acts 4. And this is after Jesus' death, when the disciples were, were nervous and afraid and hiding away at times. They'd had the Holy Spirit come and they'd gone out in their community and they'd seen amazing things, but then persecution had hit and fear had grasped them again. And so what do they do? They go back to the ultimate authority to say, we're afraid. We don't know what to do. We're unsure. And that ultimate authority comes and transforms them so the ripples of what they've started can continue. And it says this, Acts 4, verses 29 to 31 in the Good News translation. And now, Lord, this is the prayer they're praying, take notice of the threats they have made and allow us, your servants, to speak your message with all boldness. Reach out your hand to heal and grant that wonders and miracles may be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they finished praying, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim God's message with boldness. We need God's words and God's authority to help us to believe and pray and ask in line with it so we can see the miraculous, so that we can be brave enough to pray it and ask it, and so that we can be brave enough to go on and see what God's got for us. God grants that authority in our weakness. God gives us boldness to ask him and to ask for things. In prayer, we can partner with his purposes when we understand who he is and the authority he holds. And therefore, when we pray to him and connect with him, that actually lives are transformed, communities are changed, because it's our victory that we have in and with him. The second thing I think we can learn from Elijah is this, persistence. Persistence. 
Edison failed a thousand times. When asked about it, he said it was just a thousand steps that it took. Henry Ford went broke five times before he made the car. Beethoven's teacher said he would be a hopeless composer. Pasteur was told his theory on germs was ridiculous fiction. What the enemy means for evil in our lives, God's going to turn it around and make it good. But we have to persist. We have to keep going. It says Elijah put his head between his knees. Some days, don't you just feel like that? Oh, God, I give up. Oh, God, I can't do anymore. I best not do that too long, actually. He put his head between his knees and he prayed. And he said to his servants, go and look. Nothing there. Go and look. There's nothing there. Go and look. There's nothing there. Go and look. There's nothing there. Anyone fed up with this yet? Go and look. There's nothing there. Go and look. How many is that? There's nothing there. Go and look. There's a really, really tiny cloud. As small as a man's hand persistence keep going keep persevering when you feel like we're never going to see breakthrough in this community we're never going to see breakthrough in this ministry this country's never going to change we're never going to have political rest we're never going to see a cease to this war in this country keep persisting keep believing keep praying Michael Jordan I think he's a basketball player, says this. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot. I missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. This is why I succeed. So when you think, I can't do this anymore, I can't pray this anymore, keep persisting. Purpose causes us to persist. When we don't have purpose, what's the point? But when we have purpose, when we know what God is calling us to, when we see vision and attach ourselves to it and say, I believe in that. I believe in seeing that change for that community. I believe for my family. I believe for the nation. I believe this. That purpose causes us to persist and keep going. When it goes wrong, when it gets worse, that we keep going, we keep persisting, we keep believing. Elijah continued to pray. His servant must have been like, what are you doing? But Elijah knew there was merit in persisting because God had always already said so. God had already said, go and present yourself to King Ahab and I will send rain. So Elijah knew the promise was there. Know the promises that are there and then persist and believe. Persist and believe for the healing. Persist and believe for the breakthrough. Persist and believe for the nations. Persist and believe for the salvations because the promises are already there. You've got to fight in prayer sometimes. You've got to keep going. You've got to sweat in prayer sometimes. Benjamin Franklin says this. Energy and persistence conquer all things. 
energy and persistence conquer all things. Can I encourage you? Let's persevere. Let's keep praying. Let's keep sending those ripples out. Because those ripples are only as good as the stones that we throw in. And if we only throw one prayer in, then it will only ripple and stop. But if we keep praying and keep putting that stone in and keep believing, then them ripples will keep coming and keep coming and they will get stronger and stronger and have a bigger impact. But sometimes we have to keep going and keep believing and keep persisting. The third thing I believe we can learn from Elijah this morning, and there's so much more, is reformation. We saw Elijah go and present himself to Ahab. We saw him take on the Baal prophets and succeed. And actually, once they'd done that, the nation stood and worshipped God. They actually killed all of the Baal prophets and said, we will no longer worship them, but the Lord our God is the only God. Elijah, through what he did in his life and the prayers that he prayed, brought reformation back to Israel. He changed the community. He changed their belief. He changed their focus and brought God front and center of it. And then from that place, he prays for rain. And in Israel, when you look at it, rain is a symbol of blessing. So we know that when we stand and align ourselves with God and say that God is our God, then God brings blessing because of it. And God reforms and changes nations. Reformation paves the way for blessing. God wants to reform the nations. God wants to be at the heart of our communities and of our nation. And God wants to see peace and blessing and fulfillment. But we do that by standing together and believing. We do that through the actions that we do, but through the prayers that we pray as well. And we see it time and time again in the Bible. In Isaiah 6 verse 8, it says, Then I heard the Lord say, Whom shall I send? Whom will be our messenger? I answered, I will go. Send me. And this morning, God wants to ask, who will go for me? Who through their actions will look to bring change? Who through their prayers will look to bring ripples? Who will go for me? And the question this morning is, will you? Will you stand in the gap in prayer? Will you, through the things that you get involved in, stand and believe that God can change a nation? God has put you in your street, in your workplace, in your family. He's put you there to stand in the gap. And you may say, but it's so hard. You don't understand. I'm the only Christian. It is hard. It is difficult. But God has put you there to forgive and to pray and to be generous and to be kind And prayer goes hand in hand with those actions. When you find it hard, pray. When you're believing for your work colleagues to come to know Jesus, pray. Pray. And when they don't come to know Jesus and when they look like they're going further the other way, 
pray and pray some more and keep those ripples going because they're only as good as the last prayer that you prayed. Persevere with your prayer. Persevere that reformation will come to lives and communities. John Knox was a Catholic priest and he lived in Edinburgh. In 1514, he said this, give me Scotland, Lord, or I die. He was so desperate to see reformation in Scotland and to see change in how they lived and change in how they worshipped God. His prayer was, God, give me Scotland or I'm going to die. I'm so desperate for it. How desperate are we really for our families, for our communities, for this nation that sees itself in the strangest of places? How much are we actually praying to see change and to see God's will be done in our communities and our nations? John Knox brought reformation and change to Scotland and its religious systems. And Mary, Queen of Scots, said this about him. I fear the prayers of John Knox more than the assembling armies of Europe. (laughs) Wow. Because he knew. He knew the authority of God. He knew what it was to persist and he knew what it was to bring change and transformation. And when that happens, people stop and they look. And they wonder what is going on because something outside of ourselves is coming in and taking place. And as those ripples spread and God comes and works in that place and answers prayers, then it transforms and changes everything. And I want to encourage you this morning. We've talked about people and you look at them and you think, but they're just such amazing people. We talked about Elijah. And yet when you read the whole account of him, from 1 Kings 17 to 19, we see him living in poverty. We see him in despair. We see him defeated. We see him with fear that just consumes him. And we see him with suicidal thoughts. And this morning I want to encourage you because you may think, I just just don't feel strong enough. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like I can pray what you're talking about. I'm, I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough person. I'm just a big old mess. So was Elijah. But he knew the authority of his God. And he knew what it was to persist in prayer. And he saw the effects of reformation in his community. So can I encourage you this morning, whether you're full of fear, whether you're battling with suicidal thoughts, whether you're living in poverty, whether you're in despair and you feel defeated, you can still pray and believe for transformation. You can still stand in that gap for your community. You can still see those ripples ebbing out from the prayers that you pray. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says this. And this was Paul talking to God about an affliction that he had. And he'd ask God, God, take this away from me. And God said this, but he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power, that authority, can rest on me. So when you feel weak, and when you feel ill-equipped to pray, and when you think, I can't do it, I can't see change, then can I encourage you? His grace is enough for you to pray. His grace is enough for you to believe. His grace is enough for you to persist. His grace is enough to bring reformation to our communities and change and transform lives. Let Christ's power rest on us as we surrender in our weakness and allow his authority to stamp its mark on the prayers that we pray. And this morning, I believe God wants to turn things around for good. You may have circumstances in your life. There may be things going on around you. (laughs) There are things going on in this nation. And God wants to turn them around for good. But he's calling us to pray. He's calling us to pray with authority that he gives us. He's calling us to persist. And he's calling us to outwork and pray for that reformation. And I want to encourage you this morning to keep going and keep believing for that. I'm going to invite the band to come and join me. And they're just going to play for a little while. And then I'm going to come back up and I want us to pray. And then I want to pray over you as well. And I want to believe that what the enemy's meant for evil, that God can turn it around for good. I want to believe that there are victories to be had in communities. There are victories to be had in this nation. And that God wants to bring change as we believe in his authority and as we persist in prayer.